Boogeyman is real, and you found him. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this bonus episode, I guess I can call it, of the Bearded Horror Review. My name is Dan, a.k.a. The Boogeyman, and here on this channel, I will usually review a movie, either a classic or a newer release, and give it a review, say how I felt about it, how what my thoughts are on it, and whether I feel if it's worth watching or not, in my humble opinion. Um, but today, I wanted to do something differently. So... Not long ago, I started a Patreon. I've done a couple of episodes for the Patreon now. Um, and that is exclusive content for the Patreon. For those who, if you support me, I will give you a little bit extra to say thank you. And and those are slightly different to normal episodes. They're not um, just a normal review. And uh, I had a few people asking me about what's going to be on there. Uh, and a few people saying, you know, they can't afford that uh, because of the way the world is. Um, but they want to hear those kinds of things. So I will still be making exclusive Patreon content to say thank you uh, to anyone who does support me through the Patreon. There is a link uh, in the show notes if you want to have a look at that. Um, but what I thought I would do is every so often I thought I would do a bonus episode that will go up on the feed uh, that isn't exactly a review. It might be more of a deep dive or a bit more of a kind of information episode, uh, kind of a, almost like a docu-episode. I don't know really what to call them. It's just a bonus episode, something a little bit different. And not yesterday, the day before, so a couple of days before recording this, I was thinking about 90s horror and how horror kind of changed after Scream. Uh, and um, it did, like Scream definitely kind of redirected horror in the 90s um because i remember growing up in the 90s uh, i i grew i grew up uh watching a lot of 80s and 70s horror films and because that's what was available that's the kind of stuff that they put on tv that's the kind of stuff that um my family had in their video collection um because it was a lot different back then when films were kind of released in cinemas they didn't make it to screens for a very long time. So the films that they were showing on TV were older films. I think that's why a lot of people who were born in the late 80s, like myself, and grew up in the 90s, still have that nostalgia for the 80s because that's the kind of content that we uh, seem to that seem to get. You know, that's what we watched and that's what we enjoyed. Um, but as I got a little bit older growing up, uh, and I got to about 10 or 11, 12, I was able to start looking at 90s horror films. And I realized that they were vastly different to the films that I was growing up with. Even the same characters, you know, like the Nightmare on Elm Street series and Friday the 13th and Halloween um, was very different compared to the earlier films that were released. Um, and I started to wonder you know, what happened to horror in the 90s? And as I got even older, I was able to look back and see that there was a lot of films released in the 90s, horror films, that were not very good. And a lot of people seem to consider it as the worst decade for horror. So I wanted to kind of look into it and go, what is the 90s really the worst decade for horror? 
and also look at how did that then change to get to where we are now. Because this originally, I wanted to look at one specific person uh, when it came to horror in the 90s, and that's Kevin Williamson, who wrote Scream. And Scream changed horror for better or worse, however you want to see it, but it did change horror in the 90s. It came out in 1996, and... The back end of the 90s, horror seemed to change and pick up and have a different kind of style. And that's because of the back of Scream. And I was going to look into that. And as I was re researching it and looking into it, I noticed so much more going on in horror. And I thought, well, why did it have a downfall in the first place? Then why did it pick up? And then where did it go from there? So this is going to be a kind of a look at what happened to horror in the 90s. So, let's strap in and have a look. Now, I'm not saying there wasn't good horror films in the 90s. There were some really good horror films before Scream. Um, but it seemed there was a societal shift. So in the 80s, horror films were very kind of outlandish, brash. The slasher ruled the genre. Um, they wanted, uh, People wanted... Um, killers and they wanted to um celebritize these killers you know it wasn't just there's a killer on the loose uh, there it's jason it's it's um it's michael it's freddie you know it's leatherface these people in the 90s were established as um horror icons you know they, they aimed by the late 80s uh, early 90s these these films were aimed at kids almost you know you could get toy lines of freddy um they want they tried to make an icon of every horror villain um uh, they wanted that kind of celebrity vibe and um by the early 90s people were getting bored of this there was a, like i said there was a societal shift and they kind of went from the campy, funny, kind of almost um, slasher vibe to wanting more serious, gritty realism. I think decades of real killers um, put people's minds differently. They wanted to see realistic horror. And, and that did take a shift. So in the early 90s, you have films like um, Fallen or The Silence of the Lambs that really took horror villains but they were real people. Hannibal Lecter as much as he is a again he's a horror icon um, he is a person he's not a supernatural being he's not entering dreams he's not a resurrected uh, unstoppable killer he is a psychiatrist a very well-educated, smart man who decided to kill and eat his victims. And the film takes a lot of real-life scenarios. that So it, it escalates them to Hollywood standard, of course, but that film in particular really tries to look at things from a human perspective. The film 
if you've seen the film, it's just a fantastic film. I, I love Silence of the Lambs. Thomas Harris's books um, are in my collection and they're some of my absolute favourites. And I think the film Silence of the Lambs really does the book justice. The film is actually a, a, a kind of commentary almost on the male gaze that the female in a in a very male dominated society has to take and that's was the idea at the minute if you actually watch the film there's a lot of film uh, shots from shot from the main character's pov pov which is um chloe stalin she's a young woman who's a trainee in the FBI and she has to be surrounded by these very powerful men and she has to be able to stand her own, stand her ground. And it shows a lot of shots from her point of view of men talking directly at her. Um, and then <clears throat> the content itself of the film, a man um, seemingly wanting to kill women. And it's it's a very kind of, it, it talks from that point of view a lot. And... So, yeah, completely different shift from what happened just a couple of years before of Freddy Krueger. You know, it's it's campy, it's fun. Kids are getting killed in really stupid and inventive ways. You know, it's kind of slapstick almost, the way that the, the later films went. He had one-liners and he was cocky and he was making jokes. And of the kills, it was very outlandish. And because it was in dreams, it could be very surreal. And people didn't want that anymore. And it seemed to take a big shift. And then as the kind of the decade went on, uh, the, the sequel kind of fatigue really started to set in with people. And films seemed to get more and more silly. And they just didn't want to see these villains anymore. Um, films started to decide to end their their franchises. And, um, you know... There was the the, the the final Friday. There was Freddy's Dead. Um, Halloween decided to end on, on number six. Um, don't worry, I'll get to what happened after that. Um, and yeah, so it, it the genre took a turn. There was films like Seven. They're more like thrillers with very horror elements. And I've spoken about this before in other episodes uh, where people just didn't want that campy silliness anymore. So it took a shift. But then a lot of films came about where people didn't know what to do. And there was a lot of films that came about with a supernatural kind of spin. Or they were still trying to cling on to that sequel fatigue. Uh, there was um, the Child's Play series was coming about. Um, and by Child's Play 3, like people were just like, no, it's not very good anymore. You've burnt it out. Um, there was uh, all, all manner of films like there was the Leprechaun, that the first one came out in the nineties again, but it's a horror comedy, and then the sequels started coming out, and uh, it just kind of got people bored. People didn't really want to see it anymore, uh, so horror shifted. Uh, but they kept trying to make films, and they were okay. Well, what can we make? What can we put on our screens? So a lot of films came about that were more creature features. You had Anaconda, you had uh, Relic, um, you had films like that that were trying to go, okay, let's get away from the slasher aspect and let's go more um, animals. Or let's say they used to go, they went supernatural. And 
a lot of these films very much fell flat. Again, there are some good horror films from the 90s. Um, um, Mimic is one of my favourite horror films um, by Guillermo del Toro. It's a fantastic horror film. Uh, But again, it stands out from the crowd. And there was a lot less budget given to horror films during the 90s. Um, And there just seemed to be a lot of schlock coming out. So, what happened? Why did Scream change all of this? So, as the decade went on, um, a lot of horror writers, especially Wes Craven, started to really look at what happened to the horror genre. Um, And before Scream, he actually tried the meta approach. So meta is this kind of, they know it's a commentary on the thing. So it's a horror movie that's commenting on horror movies. Uh, It's aware of the rules and the tropes and it's aware of, it's self-aware. So originally he um, decided to create uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Now Wes Craven hadn't directed a... Friday, a Nightmare on Elm Street film since the first one. He was involved with the first one. Um, the rights were sold to New Line. Um, he tried. He came back to help other ones. He tried to do the second one, and they didn't want him involved. And then the third one, uh, he gave like a, a story to that, uh, and the film was based on his um, kind of story almost. Uh, but again, it wasn't exactly his vision. Um, So he wasn't really involved until uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, uh, which was a a kind of commentary almost on the horror genre. So you have um, the woman who plays Nancy playing herself. And the idea of Wes Craven's New Nightmare is that... Um, we make horror films to trap demons as such. And since the films weren't being made anymore, this demon was trying to get out into the real world. So the demon that is pretending to be Freddy is slowly trying to emerge into the real world. Um, And it's a fantastic... Um, kind of commentary almost on the effects that horror movies can have on people um, and what it can do when you actually really look at it. Now, like I said, the woman who plays Nancy, Heather Langenkamp, plays herself. Uh, Robert England plays himself and Freddy. Um, it's a very good kind of commentary on why do we make these movies? What happens when... Um, we stop making these movies. Who so really was already trying to look back on the genre and say, what happened? How can we reinvigorate this? How I want to comment on this thing that I created that got out of my hands. Um, but it wasn't well received, even though I've seen it. It's it, it's one of the better nightmare movies. Um, it's really kind of a good commentary and a good uh, good film in, John, in, in general but it's a really good commentary on do the creators have control of their creation what happens when the creation gets out of hand 
so yeah, it's a really good film. Uh, but, you know, he tried and it didn't do that well. So he kind of went back to the drawing board and there was a film being written by a man named Kevin Williamson. Originally, that film was called Scary Movie. And uh, however, during the process, it was actually retitled to Scream. And this is why I talk about Kevin Williamson, because he was the writer of Scream. He was also, uh, he did screenplays for a couple of other movies that we'll talk about in a minute that kind of set up the genre going forward for the next few years. Um, and that is, again, it's a reinvigoration of the slasher. But it's a slasher that's serious. Because like I said, slashers got very campy and comedy. And uh, this film had, I mean, no, slashers are serious again. And that's what Scream tried to do. So Scream was a commentary on slasher films, how they fell out of grace. People still enjoy them, but they're not taken seriously anymore. And so they, they talked about how rules are set up for slasher films. Not horror films, slasher films. There's certain things you do and don't do. And if you do these things, you will die. And it's it's that's I've, it was a blueprint, and I've talked about blueprints in my previous episodes. Um, so this was a very much a commentary on slashes, and the reason why this film again is not just a good film for that reason, the writing is incredible. So the not just like the story, the dialogue, the way that people interact with each other in this film. So what Kevin Williamson is so good at is writing believable characters. And he wrote believable young characters. And that's something that hadn't been done for a long time. We, the, these people felt that in uh, 80s movies and the early 90s uh, slashes, a lot of the characters felt like caricatures. I mean, I'm not talking about the early ones. I'm not talking about Nightmare 1. I'm not talking about... At Halloween, I'm talking about what they started to become when the sequels were knocking about and the genre kept going and more and more slashes were just being pumped out. Uh, a lot of these characters just felt like fodder. They felt like they were put there to be one emotion, one stereotype, and then to eventually be killed off. And we weren't rooting for him. It was all about the kills and it was no longer about the characters. So Kevin Williamson really looked at the characters that were in his stories. And in Scream, he really created a bunch of people that you, you believe are real people. And then he put them in a scenario that was very real life. And the writing from Kevin Williamson and the direction from Wes Craven, who had tried to reinvigorate his horror credentials over the last few years, he had been struggling. So when he was making this film, it was a bit of a gamble. Um but it paid off. So there's things about Scream, not only the writing and the dialogue and the way characters interact with each other that make it more realistic and more kind of relatable to people. Because that's what I think a lot of people were missing. They wanted realistic, they wanted relatable. And that's why the gritty thrillers um, kind of seemed more um, appealing. Because yeah, it's a, it's a killer and it's outlandish. It's, you have to have a suspension of disbelief, but it's a real world setting. And it's real-world characters. And it seems like people could go through something like this. So 
Scream came along and then there was the direction by Wes Craven showing not only that the victims were real people but also our killers and I'm not talking about the reveal at the end I'm not going to try and give away any spoilers if you haven't seen Scream but the way that things happen during the film such as people are getting chased by the killer and the killer will trip the killer will miss our, our, our victim will um, try and throw projectiles we'll put something in the in the the killer's way they'll fight back and you can see the killer stumble you can see the killer struggle and fall and trip but the killer keeps going you know it's not a supernatural being you know it's not some kind of ghost or entity it's a guy in a mask and it created tension it created realism again and that's what the horror genre of slashers the slasher genre had been missing and there had been films before, like I said, there was Science of Lambs, there was Fallen, there was these other films that um, were kind of realistic, but they weren't slashes. They were whodunits, they were investigations, they were thrillers. But now it's a true red-blooded slasher. What does a slasher need? We need teens. Uh, we need a, a, a killer. We need a, a, a setting that sets up the reason why these kids are being killed. So it could be a place or, you know, it could be a, a reason or, or something. Or it could. It, and then we, what we need as well is we need relatable characters. So when we look back at, um, say, Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one, those characters are relatable. They're, they're, they're not one dimensional. Um, they are, as best can be written and, and acted, teens, even though they're all 25. <laughs> they're these teens that, um, you know, th they're struggling. They, they can't stay awake. Their parents aren't listening to them. They're worried. They're scared. And that's what's happening in Scream. It is a bunch of teenagers that are being stalked. And it seems to be revolving around one person, which is Sydney Prescott. And uh, her, her past comes into it a lot. The fact that Gail Weathers, a reporter, uh, is a woman who was insufferable, who was there to trying to trying to get a big scoop. She doesn't actually care about these kids or what's going on. She wants a story. She wants to be famous. And, and that's another relatable thing. We all know that person. We've all seen that person. We see it on the news every day. We see, we know people are like that. They just want to be big. They want to be famous. They don't actually care about the people that are around them. Um, and it's, it's, it's so well written and so well directed. And the icon of Ghostface um, is just a great, it was a slasher that didn't need to try and be funny. He was actually scary. The phone call motif is brilliant. I think that's why a lot of people <laughs> my age don't like making phone calls or answering the phone. Because of Scream. If you answered the phone, it could be Ghostface. You could just be doing something as simple as getting ready to watch a movie. And the next thing you know, you could be being chased by a killer who's been taunting you through the phone. And it was a really good motif to kind of link people together and link the, this character to our victims without him having actually to be in the room. He's just a voice. And that voice is so iconic. 
you hear that voice and you know it is Ghostface. And so Scream was a success, huge success, bigger success than anybody thought it would be. So Kevin Williamson was then asked to help vamp up other projects. And he then, after Scream, went and did the screenplay for I Know What You Did Last Summer. It came out the year after, in 1997. And that, again, iconic film. Everybody remembers I Know What You Did Last Summer. Or they know someone who has seen I Know What You Did Last Summer. Very relatable storyline yet again. A group of teens who, one year... They, they're having a party, they're driving, and they run someone over. And they're scared of the consequences. So instead of uh, dealing with them, they, they take this body and they dump it. A year later, someone seems to know. So it's not playing on the fear of, oh, there's a monster and all oh, I can't sleep. It's playing on the fear of somebody knows what we did. And now we're going to pay for it. We can't go and tell anybody what we did, so we can't get any help. But this person is going to find us and we don't know who it is. And they're going to kill us one by one. And it was people going through a very relatable scenario. Again, the script was really great. The dialogue was brilliant. They talk to each other like human beings. So this is what I'm trying to get. So what happened then? This is why the Kevin Williamson effect started to take place. It wasn't the fact that people didn't want slashes. They wanted good slashes. They wanted good characters. They wanted good story. They were tired of simply put going, put a bunch of people in a room, figure out ways to kill them, and then link it together. We got People got bored of it. So horror started to shift. It's still in that vein of realism, but then it's taking that realism to uh, the characters, putting them in a scenario of a slasher. So that's what happened later in the 90s. And then this has started to pick up. So then he starts to work on other films. He worked on one of my favourite films. He did the screenplay for The Faculty. Um, now, The Faculty had already been written. It is a play on the classic Invaders of the Body Snatchers story. However, he was brought in, Kevin Williamson was brought in to then um, revamp the dialogue to make the characters more believable. And it worked. These characters are people that don't really like each other. They're a group of teens that aren't necessarily friends, never really around each other, all from different backgrounds, but they have to talk to each other. And there is tension between them. And so you believe that these characters don't like each other, but they're stuck and they're scared. And so, again, it, it kind of built from there. And that so horror took a shift. It was, okay, we need to do slashes. And we need to do this, but we need to take it seriously. So as the decade then goes on, we start getting good horror movies. Um, and this is where like, it's that gap in the middle where people didn't know what to do. Um, started to have a finally take its place in Hollywood where people were actually paying attention. Directors and writers were paying attention. And uh, it took literally Kevin Williamson to actually get that kind of ball rolling. Then a lot of people started to take 
a lot more seriously when it comes to to horror in the 90s. Um, there was still some backlog and there was still some things going on, but um, it led to a lot of remakes happening. Uh, House on Haunted Hill was a remake that is still very much so cheesy, but I enjoy that film, but I can see why people don't like it. But it, re it led to a revamp of other thought seemingly dead um uh franchises it led to um halloween h2o being made which was a soft reboot it kind of ignored all the sequels uh, and it set itself very much like a kevin williamson film took a bunch of kids uh, put them in a high school uh, put them in a scenario where they are going to be alone and then put michael in there and uh, it, 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 it's kept that realism rather than ignoring the curse of the thorn and he's, he's this supernatural thing. Really wanted to kind of look at it back to basics. And then we also got films like Urban Legend. Again, a meta-commentary film. Takes a look at horror, but as in horror as in it's set around the campfire. People talking talking to each other about urban legend stories and then someone playing those out for real in a high school. And it was very well done. It's a bit more cheesy than Scream, but it's, it's still a great horror movie. And horror then started to pick up. Um, so it, it took a long time for Hollywood to realise that that's what actually was missing. And from there, like, horror had, has had so many things happen to it. It's been up and down. They After the, the late 90s, early noughties, um, horror decided to go along the... Maybe we need to start remaking everything. So they started remaking films, and that didn't work out. Uh, and that led to uh, early found footage films. Uh, like th That's another kind of thing that picked up in horror. What People wanted something different. So in the late 90s... We had found footage thanks to Blair Witch Project. And again, it goes down that path of realism. People were looking for more realistic horror. And you can't get more realistic than found footage. It's supposed to just be, this is real. It's a video that we have found that people filmed something. And here is the horror. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of the downfall and then uprise of 90s horror um, it fell apart because it was cheesy and goofy and it didn't really know what to do with itself it then started to try and figure out supernatural or monster movie horror and it didn't really think about what people actually wanted until Kevin Williamson came along and revamped the slasher genre with Scream and it was the realism that saved slashers in the 90s Without Scream, we would not have the horror that we have today. We just wouldn't, in my opinion. But this is this has been a bonus episode, guys, where I've talked a little bit about 90s horror and was it actually the worst decade for horror? I don't think it was the worst decade for horror, but I do feel it had a big, big downfall when it was trying to figure itself out. I hope you've enjoyed this kind of bonus episode. And I hope to do more of these in future. So if you have any suggestions, please head over to my Instagram, 
boogie underscore man underscore dh and drop me a comment or a message uh, to suggest any future topics that you might want to hear um if you have enjoyed this show please uh, go over to your whatever app you're listening to this through on and drop a five-star review that will help so much uh, to get this out there and to keep me being able to do this um, if you again if you've enjoyed it as well feel free to share it with someone or share it on your social media that again it helps massively to help get more people listening to it and that helps me to keep going and if you really want to support the show there is now a patreon set up it starts from as little as three dollars a month and it's simply a uh, uh, something that will help me keep going and keep this channel running um and as a reward i will ask i will give you a thank you so as a thank you i'll give you rewards such as extra bonus episodes on commentaries uh, more deep dives like this and uh, depending on what level you sign up on uh, you can get uh, a shout out on the show and be able to ask me the question which i will then read out on the show but I'll leave it there, guys. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you've enjoyed this, and I look forward to doing this more. Until then, happy watching.